again, welcome to all of you. And uh, looks like it's going to rain today. Last couple days have been very hot. Hope you've enjoyed it. Heard some of you saying, I swam all day yesterday. That's good. Can't believe VBS is here tonight. Please come, bring your neighbors, grandkids, kids, and uh, have a great time in the Lord as we try to have a great revival and a good time with the young people tonight. <clears throat> Our sermon, I won't be able to, to preach next week for Independence Day, so I decided I'm going to preach anyway on Independence Day, just a week ahead of time. I know we have VBS this week, but hopefully we'll be thinking about the 4th of July and those things and uh, our upcoming parade and different things that we'll be doing. Theme of our message this morning is free indeed. And our text is found in John, the 8th chapter, verse 36. And uh, we'll be in John. We'll be looking at a lot of the verses there. And then when we go to Romans 6, we're going to go through uh, a lot of the verses there in Romans 6 when we get to that. The sermon outline is on the back of the bulletin. It should be on the screen behind me. <clears throat> if you want to write any additional scriptures or thoughts, you can do that on the bulletin. John eight thirty six says, If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Don't know. A couple of my Android parts are messing up, Jim. I'm sorry. They got fried in the sun Friday and Saturday. <laughs> All right, next week is Independence Day. And uh, we celebrate and have a national holiday for the 4th of July. Why is 4th of July so important? Well, back in 1776, the second... Um, Constitutional Congress met and unanimously voted that we would be independent and free from England. In 1975, they started skirmishes and wars with England, and it wasn't until uh, 1786 that, um, or 87 that all of these things were accomplished where we completely got our freedom and so forth from England. And uh, it's a good holiday, good national holiday that we have. But we can think back 2,000 years, and we can think of a great victory that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, won for us so that we could have independence and liberty and be free from our sins. And yes, he did that, and I know we have to choose if we're going to accept what he did or if we're not going to accept you see, if you are under the bondage and weight of sin, whether you're a non-Christian or a Christian who has turned to serve sin and Satan instead of Jesus, you need to be set free. And Jesus is the only one who can set us free from our sins. Let's look at the scriptures and see how we can have true liberty, true freedom in Jesus Christ. First off, everyone needs spiritual freedom. For we were all slaves to sin, bearing the weight and burden of our sins. 
on our shoulders, needing relief. I'm going to take this off in case of somehow that's affecting it. I'm not sure. You switch me here. You want me to shut this off then? Okay. All right. We're going to eliminate that, hopefully. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. <laughs> Had to. <clears throat> All right, back to where we started here. Everyone needs spiritual freedom. For we were all slaves to sin, bearing the weight and burden of our sins on our own shoulders, needing relief, needing someone to help us. And when Jesus first talked to the Jews about being set free, their first response recorded there in John 8, 33 was, we're Abraham's offspring and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, you shall become free? Well, first, I think that's really funny, because when you think of the history of the Hebrews and the Jews and the Israelites, they had been enslaved many different times. They were, in, uh, the whole nation, enslaved by the Egyptians. And then, a little bit later, we know the Assyrians and, uh, came and took the ten northern tribes and held them in captivity and spread them out throughout the world. And we call them the ten lost tribes of Israel. And then a hundred years later, the Babylonians came and destroyed Jerusalem and the temple and what took many to Babylon and made them their slaves. They weren't free. And even at the time that Jesus is speaking here, they were under the bondage of the Romans. They weren't free to do whatever they wanted to. It, it, it's a shame that they would have that idea and say that they had never yet been enslaved to anyone. But physically, they had been enslaved. Now for us today, before we can ever interest people into being free indeed, they must first face the fact that they are in bondage and are slave to sin, slave to the ways of Satan, that sin controls us. It's our master. It's causing us to follow our lusts and appetites and our desires. Just as those people back then, if they couldn't understand physically that they were enslaved, Man, were they going to understand harder things where Jesus goes and tells them they're enslaved to their sins. And he's the only way that they can be forgiven of those things. You see, for people, they're not free as they may think that they are today. Yes, they have free will. They can do what they want. But that doesn't mean that it's right. Not right with society, not right with God and what his word tells us. Sin, you know, is a, a very heavy load. And no one can handle it alone. The weight of sin can be very hard and even unbearable for people in their lives. You would be surprised how many people, after they are baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, have said they felt as if a great heavy load had been lifted off of them off of their shoulders. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. When you try to reach some people for Christ, what do they do? They like to change the subject. They don't want to hear you talking about that. I, I've, in my past, had people decide to turn to alcohol or drugs. They figure, I'm going to numb my brain, 
That way, when you're talking about this, doesn't mean anything to me. I'm happy in my pleasures and in my sin and what I'm doing. And uh, there are others that just say, you know what? God is a God of love. And everybody's going to heaven. So, so don't worry. Just be good. And many, because they do not want to be reminded of the reality of sin, just try to shut things off. And if you've talked to them, what happens when you see them at the grocery store, you see them at the ball game, or you see them at school? They see you and they act like they don't. Dave may come and say, hey, where are you at? Why haven't I seen you at the assembly? So they run from you. Or they come around the corner in the grocery store and you bump right into them so they have to talk to you. And then what do they do? <clears throat> I'm sorry, Dave, but uh, you know, my family's been sick and I've been staying at home. Uh, the, the kids are really busy right now. I'm just running around like a bus driver, going here and going there and taking them here and taking them there. And they start rambling off all these excuses and I laugh and I'm like, <laughs> whatever. You don't have to tell me any excuses. But someday you're going to have to talk to God about it. It's a judgment. You see, when you try to reach people for Christ... You've stirred up their God-given conscience, which they have tried so hard to erase or to pull the lever, power down. Don't want to have those feelings. Don't want to have those thoughts. The truth is they do not need to erase the hard facts of life and the weight and the penalty of sin. What they simply need to do is do something about it while they still can. Some people, therefore, when they become convicted of their sins, literally come running to Christ. My first ministry, I was a young man, 23 years old, and worked with uh, a few people and just uh, wasn't able to, at, at that point, to have anybody uh, become a Christian. And there was a lady that came to the church there, and she was really working on her husband, trying to get him to, to come to the assembly. And um, Laura and I and Brian, we struck up friendship with them. We went over to their house this one evening, and he came to church a few times, and he was helping me put a, a commode in the bottom of the church. Uh, I didn't know didn't have any plumbing skills and he was helping me get things fixed up because we were living in the back side of the church which was the parsonage and then uh, we were trying to get the basement and that fixed up we went over and we were having dinner one night and uh, brian went and was playing with his kids and laura and uh, the lady were inside and bill and i were outside and he's cutting up little strips of venison he said this is back straps this is good stuff and he's laying them on the grill and as they're cooking, he pulls piece off. Here, try this. And we're talking, and I'm, I'm trying to get him to come to church and to become a Christian, and he's asking a lot of questions. And I, I thought we had a great night. And Laura's like, well, how did it go with Bill? I said, I think it went really good. Well, this was on a Friday evening. Saturday, I guess, his conscience beat him up all day. Sunday morning, we were there. We were at church. 
got done preaching my sermon and I was trying to give it my all uh, preaching and uh, I offered the invitation and before we started to sing here come Bill he ran I mean literally ran down the aisle and I was like my heart's beating and I'm like okay I haven't had this happen before you know again 23 years old this was exciting for me and he come running down I ran down and I met him and uh, he said man I'm a sinner. If something happens to me right now, I'm going to hell. I got to do something about it. My conscience is beating me up. Uh, I, I believe that Jesus is Christ, Son of the living God. Come on, let's go get changed, and I, I want you to baptize me. And I said, well, can we hang on a second? Maybe somebody else wants to become a Christian. And we, we sang a verse, and then I asked one of the men to come up and, and uh, read some scripture while we went and changed. We went back, we changed baptized him and uh, as soon as we were done and we went back to rechange again I, I asked him I said man that was wild how you ran up there and he, he said again I, I couldn't let another moment pass couldn't sleep I was convicted and he said right now I feel so good I feel like a weight has just been lifted off of my heart and my mind and my soul because I know I've done what the word says and, and I feel like a completely different man. You see, there are literally hundreds, thousands of people just like Bill. Many stand in misery throughout the invitation to him and they're squeezing the back of the pew in front of them when it would be just so easy to simply surrender to Christ and let him set you free from your sins. How true it is that there's no rest, uh, rest for the wicked. It beats them up when they come to that truth. Isaiah 57, 20 and 21 says, But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet. And its waters, they toss up the refuge and the mud. There is no peace, says God, for the wicked. God tells you that if you're a sinner and you've not been saved, there's not going to be rest for you if you know the truth. It's going to beat you up and just keep stirring. You see, we should not really expect the wicked to have peace and to feel good about themselves when they have rejected their only hope of salvation through Jesus Christ. And I always wonder, why do Christians feel that they need to try and comfort sinners who were lost in their sins? Having them go on thinking that everything is just fine. It's not fine. They're lost. If they die right now, or if Jesus comes back again, they're lost. They'll end up in the lake of fire for eternity. We shouldn't try to make these people feel comfortable. We ought to try to convict them. We ought to show them the word and show them how they can be free from their sin. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You're not going to go to heaven. And then a whole list of sins is mentioned. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators or idolaters, and the list goes on. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. 
The point is, there's no hope for them except that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost and he died on the cross for our sins so that we can be free, free indeed. That's the gospel. That's the good news that we have. And that good news is for those who are tired and weary and burdened, for that sinning soul. And that brings us to our next point, point two. True freedom comes only through Jesus Christ. John 8, 30 and 32 says this, As he spoke these things, many of them believed in him. Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Also, we need to remember what Jesus said in John 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one's going to come to the Father but through me. If we want to be free indeed, then we need to go to Jesus because he's the only way that we're going to be able to have our sins forgiven. He's the only way that we're going to be able to see the Father and spend eternity in heaven. When we obey Christ and his word and his teachings, we shall be set free. Romans, if you want to turn there, we're going to look at many verses here. Romans 6, 17 says, But thanks be to God that though we were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching. What form of teaching? To the gospel. To the message that you need to believe and you need to confess Christ and repent of your sins and to be baptized. Living a faithful life to the end. Being committed and dedicated to receive that crown of life. Colossians 1, 12 through 14 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins second corinthians 3:17 says now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there's liberty liberty has the idea of not being confined or under constraint but to be free we can have liberty we can have true freedom in Christ. And how do we receive this spirit of the Lord? Acts 2.38 tells us. Peter said to them, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift. That's the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. Point three says, We now have freedom to do what? To do our own thing, right? We can do whatever we want. No. Remember, you've already tried to do things your own way and found that the price tag for sin and self is too heavy for you to bear. It is up to you to, to make your own choice now. Do I accept Jesus? The liberty and the freedom that he gives me from sin? Or do I accept to, to do things my way? the world's way, ultimately Satan's way. The choice is up to you. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, 
No one could serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. you got to choose one or the other. The Apostle Paul tells us not to be servants of men in 1 Corinthians 7, 20-21. Let each man remain in that condition in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Because now you've accepted Christ. Even though you may be a slave, now you're free in Christ. Like he who was called while free is now Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves to men. Again, I ask the freedom to do what? Continue in sin? No. Let's look at all these verses now in Romans 6. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? What do you mean? Well, let's read verses 3 through 7. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been united with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self, our old man of sin was crucified with him that our body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin amen amen man this is great news I'm not going to read all of Romans 6, 11 through 18, but I'm going to read here. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of righteous unrighteousness. Why do we want to live in sin? Why do we want our body to be instruments of unrighteousness, living for sin? But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God because we're alive with Christ and we're freed from sin. Let our bodies and our talents and gifts and abilities and things that we have be tools in the master's hand for righteousness sake for serving him and teaching the gospel and seeing others be able to have these chains broken that are mastering them and controlling them through Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Verse 15 says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. Do not 
do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you are committed. And having been freed from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. Verse 20 says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. 22 says, but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification. And the outcome is eternal life, salvation, heaven. Woo! By being obedient to Jesus, by being baptized, bearing that old man of sin. You see, symbolically, spiritually, we partake of the gospel when we become a Christian. You see, we go down in that watery grave and we bury the old man of sin down in there. And then we come up to walk in the newness of life. Just as Jesus died, our old man dies. Jesus was buried in the tomb and rose on the third day, never to die again. And we die to the old man. We bury him down in that watery grave baptism and we leave him down in there. And then we come up out of there to walk in a newness of life. When that happens, guess what? We're free. We're free indeed. We're free through what Jesus did and just simply us being obedient and choosing the salvation that he gives us, the freedom and liberty that he gives us. We're now free to serve a risen Savior. Was this not what Paul was speaking of when he said in Galatians 5.1? It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. After you become free, don't go back to the world. Don't go back to sin. Don't go back to saying, oh, I can do all these things. No. You've been cut off from those things. Don't look back. Look to the future. Look to heaven. Look to the finish line of being with the Lord and with God in eternity. Galatians 5, 13 and 14 says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, the best way we can truly love our neighbor is to set a good example for Christ, to try to lead them to Christ so that they may be set free from their sins also. Now that we've been set free, we have the right to fulfill our choice of service, for we have chosen to serve Christ and have thus been freed from our sins. So let's keep our commitment by serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, 16 and 17, 
act like free men. Act like free men. Quit sinning. Quit doing those things. What advantage of it is there? Think about it. Why do, why do we do the simple things that we do? To act big and bad? Look at me, I'm tough. I'll do whatever I want. You know, hey, all my friends are going to be in hell, so I'm going to go down there and live it up with them. Why do I want to go float around on some cloud and play a harp and sing forever? That sounds kind of lame to me. You ever run into somebody like that? I used to run into guys like that all the time in the Navy. When I got out of the Navy and was doing construction work, all those guys were that way. You know, big, bad, tough, and look at that chip on my shoulder. Knock it off. <laughs> you really want me to knock it off? I will. <laughs> but they would act so big, so bad, so tough. You know, it's a shame. Let's act like free men and do not use our freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves for God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, and act like free men in the things that we do, not being bound to sin and Satan. Fourthly, do not be fooled with false freedom and false hope. There's a freedom today that is actually just imaginary, unreal, deceptive. The proverb writer writes in Proverbs 14, 12, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Huh. Seems right to me, but the way of it is death. There's a lot of people saying that today. Maybe not in those words. But I got freedom. I can do whatever I want to do. You can't take my freedoms away from me. If I want to kill a baby in my womb, I can do it. That's death. Would we go into the nursery and kill those babies? No way. We're going to protect them. Why wouldn't we protect that baby? And what should be the safest place on earth for the baby in the mother's womb? But years, we've not been doing that. And there's so many things that seem right to people, but they're the way of death. If you'd ask people that you knew if they were saved and okay, on their way to heaven, you'd be surprised. Most people either believe or were told by somebody that they're okay. The sad thing is they're blind to the truth and only imagine themselves to be free. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 2, 18 through 20, for speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in air. Doing what? Promising them freedom while they themselves are enslaved in the corruption. 
People were out there and wanting you to jump into the boat with them. No wonder they're telling you, you're okay and everybody's going to go to heaven and God's a God of love. You don't have to go down there to that assembly and partake of the Lord's Supper with the saints or give an offering to God or serve or do anything to help other people or teach them. You see, because they're not doing it, they want you to join them. It says, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled to them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. Many people have been fooled, have been fed a lie, and they believe it. If anyone ever tells you, well, I know what the Bible says, but that's not what it means. I'm here to tell you. Run. Get away from that person. They don't know what they're talking about. And they're not right with Christ, and they want to make sure you don't get right with Christ. I know what the Bible says, but it really don't mean that. No. That's what it means. Read it again and again and again if you have to. You see, that person trying to feed you that line, that false doctrine or lie, cannot set you free. And if they are going against clear teaching in God's word, you need to watch out. The only person who can set us free from our sins is Jesus. We need to be obedient to him and to his word. Not some creed book or some council or the pope or some false preacher, or some guru, or some co-worker, or student you go to school with. Never rely on what some people or some religion may be saying, for they may only be giving you some false hope. What this world needs is true freedom, and that's only found in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10, For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you, and how you turned from God, from idols, to serving a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath of, to come. We need to hear true good preaching from God's word and we need to be obedient to that and start serving a living and true God and going out being good examples and being salt and light and telling others the good news of the gospel and how they can be freed from sin from Jesus Christ and when they become free they're free indeed they're free indeed through Jesus in conclusion well then, are you free indeed through Jesus Christ? Who's the only one who can give you true freedom and liberty? Are you free from your sins? The good news of the gospel message tells us 
that we can be free from our sins and one day spend eternity with God in heaven. But you see, you need to decide right now and choose. Have you accepted what Jesus has done for you on Calvary? If not, then why not today? That's how you can be free indeed and have the promises of eternal life in heaven. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, are you willing to confess that before men now? And if you do, he'll confess you before the Father who's in heaven. And then, will you repent? Will you turn from the world, turn from sin, turn from Satan, and turn to God and to Christ, and turn towards heaven, and doing the things that are right? And then, will you be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit? And that's when you become a Christian. And that's when you become free indeed in Christ. Then you need to live a faithful life until Jesus comes or until you physically die. If you're here today and you've never been obedient to the gospel, the men are coming forward. We're going to sing our hymn of invitation. And if you need to make a decision today, don't delay. Don't put it off. Don't stand there and grip onto the pew and squeeze it as tight as you can and say, oh, no, run. Run and get free indeed through Jesus, our Savior.